We are continuing our series in the book of Proverbs called Wisdom for the Home. And today, we're going to talk about a topic that may not be immediately applicable to all of you. But one day, Lord willing, it will be applicable. And you know, even if you are not a parent today, and even if for some reason God chooses not to make you a parent, the truth of the matter is, all through our life, we are going to interact with children, whether they are ours or not. We have Vacation Bible School coming up. Normally, in a given summer, we'll have over a 1,000 people on this campus during the week of Vacation Bible School. Several hundred of them, children, that we give, are given an opportunity to make an impact in their lives. So, whether they're my children or somebody else's, I still ought to understand what the Bible says about raising children. So today, we're going to look at the book of Proverbs, and we're going to look at the topic, Wisdom for Raising Children. Look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 6. Very, very familiar verse. Most people know this verse. We're going to talk about what it means. The Bible says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. All right, what do you think that means? You think that means that if, I, if you're my child and I teach you what to do, that for the rest of your life you will always do what I taught you to do? You think that's what it means? Well, if it is, then we're in big trouble because it don't work. My parents taught me what to do. I, I had great parents. They're both in heaven now, but I had great parents, Christian parents, very wise, that taught me what to do. And I can, I know this is going to come as a shock to most of you, but there were actually times in my life when I did not do what they told me to do. I, I know you're shocked at that. As a matter of fact, between the ages of zero and... 19, I probably did not do what they told me to do about 95% of the time. You know why? Because I was smarter. I knew more about life than my parents did because, see, I was with the in crowd and they were old and outdated and old-fashioned and they just didn't understand. Well, I'm 51 years old now and I would be what some kids would say is old and outdated and old-fashioned. But there is one thing I did learn once I got past that part of my life where I thought I knew everything. And it was the fact that I came to the realization that my parents really did know what they were talking about. That I would have avoided a whole lot of problems in my life had I learned to listen to them. And God tells us that. So does this verse mean that if you teach your children what they're supposed to do, that they will always do everything you tell them to do. No, it doesn't. What does it mean? Let me just give you the very simplistic definition of what this verse means. It simply means if you teach them what is right, they will always have that resource in their brain to draw from one day when they need it. If you don't teach them what is right, they will never have that resource to draw from one day when they need it. 
Train a child in the way he or she should go. Teach them how they should live their life. And when they are old, they will not be able to get rid of what you taught them. Doesn't mean they're going to always do it, but they will always have it. Do you know how many times in my life, over all these years, I have been in a situation where I reverted back to what my mom or my dad taught me about that, and that was a major influence in the decision I ended up making. Now, both of my parents are gone. They're both in heaven now. I don't have my mom or dad that I can pick up the phone and call them and say, what do I do? You know what I do have? In my mind, I have a memory bank full of all the stuff they taught me while they were here. Do you know your brain and my brain is like a computer? Everything you put in there stays there. It never goes away. Unless you have some type of brain disease that causes the memory portion of your mind not to function properly. But for the most part, everything that goes in there stays there. Wait till you get to be my age. You will hear a song on the radio that you first heard in my case, before most of you were even born, back in the 60s and the early 70s. Do you know what those songs do? They immediately conjure up in my mind memories. There was a song um, sung by Seals and Croft called Summer Breeze. Every time I hear that song, it immediately brings back to my mind the summer of 1973, which is the summer that my brother died with leukemia. Because it was very popular that summer, and all summer long it was played on the radio over and over and over again. So every time I hear that song, that's, those are the memories that come back. Well, how in the world can that happen? Do you know how long ago 1973 was? A long time. How in the world can I remember something that happened all those years ago? Because everything that goes into your brain stays there. It's either in your conscious or your subconscious mind. And all it takes is the right trigger to go back into the database of your subconscious mind and bring it forward into your conscious mind where you actually think about it. That's why we have what is called today nostalgia. That's what that is. That's something triggering some thought or event in your subconscious mind that causes you to think about it again. Okay, That's what God is talking about. When we teach children what is right, it stays with them the rest of their life so that the Holy Spirit of God can go into their mind and bring it back. Do you know what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit? That when He, was, when he comes, He will teach us and bring all things to our remembrance. Jesus said, whatsoever I have taught you. Jesus said, after I leave, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And one of the things he's going to do is from time to time, he is going to dig into your heart and mind and bring back to your memory, back to your remembrance, these things I've taught you. Let me ask you this. Could you quote verbatim everything you ever learned from kindergarten through college? No. Then why in the world did we waste all those years learning all that garbage? I remember when I was in college, and I had to go to English class. Now, I ain't no good at English. I am terrible. 
And then sometimes whenever I have to listen to my my lessons that I record before I put them up on uh, our website, I hate to listen to myself because every time I do, I hear all the stupid things I say and how horrible my grammar is. And it amazes me that anybody even listens to it, much less understands it. However, I had to take that class when I was in college. I never understood why. I had to take history. I have a son who loves history. Personally, I'm not that excited about history. I wasn't that excited about science. However, do you know in conversations with people today, when I am talking to them about the Lord, these things come up, and because I was at least taught those things, somehow God brings those things back up into my mind, and they're actually used to bring and create confidence between me and whoever I'm talking to so I can share the gospel with them. It's amazing how what we learn, God brings back to our memory. That's what the verse is talking about. So just because we teach our kids the right thing to do, it doesn't mean they're all going to grow up and their whole life always do everything we tell them to do. As a matter of fact, we are all living proof that that doesn't happen. That's why our parents get frustrated at us. Because they want us to do right, but we don't. Now, what does it mean to train a child? Well, I want you to see two things real quick, and then we're going to be done. Number one, our responsibility. Now, I've given you several verses in the book of Proverbs. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 1 and look at verses 8 and 9. We're not going to read all of these because I want to get to um, the four parts of training. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Okay, let me ask you something. If the Bible here is speaking to children, to you and I, and the Bible tells us, my son, listen to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. All right? If I'm commanded to listen to my father's instruction and not forsake my mother's teaching, then what does that imply is the responsibility of the father and mother to instruct and teach? How can I listen to my father's instruction if he never gives me any? How can I embrace my mother's teaching if she never teaches me anything? So, the responsibility of the mom and the dad to teach and train the children is pretty obvious. Let me give you some other verses. We won't look at them. But in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, the Bible talks about the same thing. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 through 24, once again, the writer of Proverbs is explaining the importance of children listening to their father and mother's instruction. So, I just wanted to touch on that. Because we all need to understand that as adults, if God gives us children, we have a responsibility to train them. That is our job. By the way, what did the psalmist say? Children are an heritage of the Lord. Right? You know what that term means? An heritage? It's an inheritance. Literally, children belong to God and He loans them to us. They are inheritance from the Lord. If my dad dies and I inherit $100,000, was that $100,000 mine to begin with? No, it was my dad's. 
What did he do? Well, when he left, he let me have it. And I'm responsible to do the right thing with it. Well, that's what children are. They are an inheritance from the Lord. They belong to Him. They don't belong to me. I have eight children. All eight of them belong to God. They don't belong to me. But He gave them to me and gave me the responsibility to train them properly. Okay? So, we all have that responsibility. Now, let's get to the meat of this. What are the four parts of training children? There's a lot more involved, but this is as simple as I can make it from the book of Proverbs. And if you grasp these four things and work at it, then we should be able to at least teach our children the right thing. So let's go through these four parts of training. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, the Bible says, Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the instruction, the nurture, and the admonition of the Lord. The training and the instruction. The term training or nurture literally involves a process. Training involves a process. So what we want to do is we want to go through today the four parts of training. And we're going to talk about these relative to when God gives us children. Okay, so number one, there's teaching. That's pretty obvious. Proverbs 22, 6, train a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Look at Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 22. Proverbs 23, verse 22. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she's old. That's interesting. Listen to your father. Don't despise your mother when she gets old. Do you know just because our parents get older, it doesn't mean they get stupid. You and I get wiser as we get old. Well, so do our parents. And a lot of times when we become adults, because we are connected with what's actually going on now, maybe our parents, when they were our age, things were different. And, and they were. That doesn't mean they're not wise, okay? But notice the next phrase, verse 23. Buy truth and do not sell it. And then the Bible says we need to get three things. Now, as far as training, we get these from our parents. So as parents, these are the three things we ought to be teaching our children. What are they? Buy the truth, do not sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. Wisdom, discipline, and understanding. All right, there, now there's three things here we've got to have. First of all, number one, you've got to have instruction. That's where it all starts. What is instruction? Well, it's very simple. It's just the impartation of knowledge. We all went to school, and we'd sit in class, and that's what teachers would do. They would impart to us knowledge. Some of us got it. Some of us didn't. But they were given it, whether we were getting it or not. Okay? That's instruction. I have to teach my children what to do and how to do it. I've got to instruct them. How many of you know children that were born and at the age of six months already knew how to dress themselves, go to the bathroom by themselves, cook their own meals, talk properly? Did they know how to do that? Well, where do you suppose by the time they're 13 they learned 
how to do it if they didn't know it at six months. Where'd they learn it from? Oh, I know. They didn't learn. They just evolved. Wrong. We all learn from something. We have to be instructed. We are born with one thing, a sin nature, period. Everything else we've got to be taught, okay? So first of all, there's instruction. Number two, there is wisdom. Wisdom is simply the application of knowledge. Instruction is imparting knowledge. Wisdom is how we use it. And you know, there's a big difference in someone being um, educationally and academically brilliant and someone being wise. Have you ever met somebody or known somebody that academically was a genius, but when it came to common sense, they were dumber than a brick? There's all kinds of people like that. What is the common sense? We call it common sense. What is that? That's wisdom. Here's what I know. Here's how you use it. There's a lot of people that know a whole lot and don't have the first clue about how to practically use it. That's wisdom. Now, I don't want you to forget something here. We're talking about truth. I want you to look at the first part of verse 23. By truth. So when we talk about getting wisdom and discipline and understanding and being instructed, we're talking about being instructed and getting wisdom from truth. God said, Jesus said in John 17, 17, by word is truth. So this is the truth we're talking about. The book of Proverbs is all about getting wisdom for life. It's all about the application of knowledge, how we use it. We have to teach our children that. Son, Go cut the yard. That's instruction. Now, son, the first thing you do is you check the oil in the lawnmower. Make sure it's got oil. You make sure that you're on an, a flat surface with no rocks or anything underneath it. You stand behind the mower. You pull the cord. When you pull the cord, it's going to start. Now, and, and the more we have, you have to hold this handle down so gas gets to the carburetor so it will start. You pull the cord once it starts. Don't ever step out behind it. Don't ever get in front of it. Make sure it's cut off. And then mow this way. What is that? That's wisdom. That's how you do it. The practical way of how you do it. You know, so many times as parents, we tell our kids what to do, and we never practically explain how to do it. Wisdom. We never do that. One day you're going to have your child come to you and say, how did you know what to do? That's wisdom. There's your perfect opportunity to teach wisdom. How did I know what to do? Well, first of all, I had knowledge from instruction, but then I knew how to use it. Then number three, there's instruction, there's wisdom, and then there's understanding. This is personal comprehension. Now, I know this never probably happens in your marriage, but how many times do you talk to your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend and you say one thing and they completely don't understand it that way? I mean, you ever had that happen? I can tell you how you know if it happened. Because as a husband, when my wife tells me something and I go do something totally opposite, she comes back and she says, well, I told you not to do that. 
No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I told you three times while you were watching the baseball game. She communicated. I did not personally comprehend it. The same thing is true with our children. You can instruct your children and tell them knowledge. You can tell them wisdom. But you have to make sure they understand. How many times did your parents ever say to you, do you understand me? All the time. Now, a lot of times they do that out of anger. Don't you ever do that again. Do you understand me? Well, the truth is, I don't understand. I'm not sure what I did wrong. That's where you have the problem. We've got to learn how to give to our children understanding where they comprehend it. So, first of all, there's teaching. That involves instruction, wisdom, and understanding. But I want you to notice something else in verse 23. It says we've got to get wisdom, and then there's that word, discipline. The second part of training is discipline. Without discipline, proper training never takes place. So this philosophy today that you don't ever discipline your children is humanistic. It's not from the Bible. By the way, how many of you work for a company that if you do something that is against company policy, they just say that's okay and overlook it? Or are there consequences if you disobey company policy? In case you didn't know, those consequences, that's called discipline. This is right, this is wrong. This is what happens to you if you do wrong. That's discipline. Okay. Now, here's where the mix-up is. I want you to look with me, chapter 23, we're right here. Look over at verse number 13. Do not, command from God, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not. Die. Now let me tell you this. When you start having kids, the first time that you have to discipline them, whether it's time out or a spanking, we'll talk about that in a minute, they are going to scream bloody murder. You know why they say bloody murder? Because it sounds like somebody's trying to kill them. You're not killing them. You're killing their rebellious will. And every child has one. And until that will is broken, you are going to have problems. But there's only one way to break it. Discipline. It's the only way to do it. Okay? So, God says, do not withhold discipline from the child. Don't do it. If you do, you're going to suffer for it. Okay? So, let's talk about discipline here. By the way, another verse would be Proverbs 29, verse 17. We don't have time to read that. Let me give you four parts or four very important principles in discipline. Number one, discipline is used for correction. Correction. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 5. The Bible says, A fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. Another verse, Proverbs 22, verse number 15. We use discipline to correct wrongdoing. That's why we do it. Okay? Number two, we use discipline for instruction. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 15. The rod of correction imparts wisdom. 
Isn't that one of the things we want to teach them? Wisdom. Well, the rod of correction is a tool that God says is used to do that. The rod of correction imparts wisdom. Listen to this. But a child left to himself disgraces his mother. One of the hardest things you're ever going to learn to do is discipline your children when you have them. Did your parents ever tell you when they were getting ready to discipline you or spank you, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you? Mine did. And I can guarantee you, at the moment, physically anyway, there ain't no way it hurt them more than it hurt me. Emotionally, however, it did hurt them more than it hurt me. You know how I know that? Because I'm 51 years old and I've got eight kids and I've disciplined every one of them. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. I am doing something that causes my children to cry. However, if I don't, one day they will cry much worse and so will I. That's what God says. Now, here's the key. Discipline is used for correction. It's used for instruction. But I want you to see the third one because this is what is so critical. It is done in love. Now, we've, we've got to take some time here. To turn back to Proverbs chapter 3, look at verse number 11. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent His rebuke. Don't get mad. Because the Lord disciplines those He loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Proverbs chapter uh, 13, verse 24. Read that verse. Proverbs 13, verse 24. He who spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Do you know by not disciplining our children, we are actually saying we hate you? That's what the Bible says. And when we discipline them properly, the Bible says we're saying, I love you. Okay? Now, I want you to see um, one more verse. Proverbs 19, verse 18. Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Now, I want you to hold your finger here, and I want you to turn with me quickly to Hebrews chapter 12. Because Hebrews chapter 12 is a key passage on discipline, whether it be in our life or the life of our children. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 4. The Bible says, In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as son. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. 
Look at verse number 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Train up a child in the way he should go. It is impossible to do that without discipline. Now, the key to discipline is that we do it in love. Anything, just to try and help us understand, anything that is contrary to love is wrong if you use it in discipline. For example, anger is contrary to love. That's wrong. Frustration. Personal gain. Any of that is wrong in discipline. So let me tell you this. It is biblically wrong for you and I to punish our children, whether it be a physical form of punishment, like a spanking, which the Bible does teach. That's what the rod is all about. And I'm going to tell you, sooner or later, you're going to have to come to grips with the fact that God made a huge padded place on our bodies, and part of the reason it's got a lot of padding it's because it's a place to be used for discipline. I got swatted on the leg with switches. I got swatted with a belt, and I got hit with a paddle. I'm sitting here. I'm a better man for it, and I promise I didn't die from any of it. None of it. Now, there is a huge misunderstanding today because of the world's preoccupation with child abuse. Child abuse is not properly spanking your children in love. Child abuse is letting your children do whatever they want to do. That's child abuse. Child abuse is physically doing anything to a child that is unnatural or that should not be done to a child. Slapping a child in the face is unnatural and wrong. That's wrong. That's child abuse. By the way, why do most adults do that? They don't do it out of love. Now, son, you spoke ugly to your mother, so you get one slap in the face because you did that. Now, I'm doing it out of love, so I want you to stand there and hold still while I give you your punishment. That don't even sound right. Okay? So, don't throw the baby, literally, out with the bathwater. Just because there are people who don't do it right, don't completely just throw the whole thing away. There is a way to do it, and it has to be done properly, okay? Notice something about discipline. Number three, or number four, it's painful. Now let me tell you this real quick. If it ain't painful, it ain't going to work. If it doesn't hurt, it doesn't work. I mean, why would my kid be detoured from doing wrong if the only punishment he got was something that he could endure? Okay? Um, I wish I had time to go through how we discipline our kids, the process. I don't. But I will tell you this. I'm not the perfect parent. I get upset. I lose my temper. I raise my voice. That happens sometimes. In those moments, you have to learn to discipline yourself. And withdraw until you can do it properly. Remember, I've got to give instruction. I've got to give wisdom. 
And I've got to make sure there's understanding or the discipline doesn't work. But it also has to be painful. Now, we'll tell you one of the things we do is I have a paddle. It's made out of a one-by-four, and it's very easily gripped. And when we paddle, my children bend over so ergonomically I don't hurt their back. And they are popped on the rear end. For me, usually just one time. By the way, if I'm doing it, that's all it takes. One time. And I tell them, it's going to hurt. If it doesn't hurt, it doesn't work. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and verse 11, no discipline for the present is joyous. It's painful. It hurts. When God disciplines us, it hurts. But it works. Because I don't want to do it again. I don't want to go through that pain again. It works. Now, it is not abusive. But it is painful. And it works. Okay? But you have to do it right. You cannot do it in anger. You cannot do it out of control. You have to do it in love. Okay? So, you got to teach. you got to discipline. Those are the main things. Number three, real quick, example. Proverbs 20 and verse 7 talks about a man who lives a righteous life. His children will be blessed after him. My example speaks volumes. Matter of fact, it speaks more than my mouth to my children. And then number four, association. Proverbs 28, verse 7. Proverbs 29 and verse 3. It is very, very important that we teach our children the right kinds of people to make their friends. The Bible teaches evil company will corrupt good manners. Go through the Bible. Look at all the people in the Bible who were destroyed because they had a friend who encouraged them to do wrong. Had they not had those friends, everything would have been okay. All right? I know this has been quick. I wish we had more time to spend on it. And there is so much more. You can go to the Christian bookstore. There's volumes written on how to train children. But primarily, it involves these four very simple things. We've got to teach them so they understand. We've got to use discipline the right way. We've got to be a good example. And we've got to make sure that they've got the right kind of influences in their life. If you do that the proper way, God says that's what it means to train up a child in the way they should go. All right? Now, next week, um, I hope all of you will be able to be here. Next week, we're going to address a subject that is very, very, very important. We're going to talk about protecting the marital relationship. What does the book of Proverbs say about sex, marriage, and adultery? How does it happen? What are some warning signs? What are some things we need to watch out for? Because these are the tricks of the devil to get in and ruin our marriage. So we're going to talk about it. The book of Proverbs says a lot about it. Spends whole chapters on it. So we're going to spend time next week. A very practical subject. Very, very important. I've mentioned to you before. The two things today that destroy more marriages than anything else are marital infidelity, sex, and money. And we need to know about both of them. So next week, protecting the marital relationship. All right? Father, thank You for Your Word. Please continue to use it to mold us to be like Jesus. Give us wisdom and strength this week in all the decisions we make. In Jesus' name. Amen. See you, everybody.